session with Dr. Farid Holaku. Good afternoon. Welcome to In Session. I'm your host, Dr. Fadir Tolakwi, and I'll be with you for the next two hours here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, so you can call in with any questions related to clinical psychology, including any emotional or psychological issues, parenting issues, and relationship issues as well. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics or books from the program. Or, and the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and podcast on iTunes. Again, our studio number, 310-441-0555. The book of the week for this week is Attached by Amir Levine and Rachel S.F. Heller. Attached, the new science of adult attachment and how it can help you find and keep love. Uh, I'd heard a lot about this book. Many people had recommended it as a good book outlining attachment theory, which can oftentimes help explain or at least give us some insight into how we are in romantic relationships and what we do and also how we can potentially grow. And I'm very early in the book, but it does say that they will help people try to understand how to work with their attachment style, whether individually or in relationships. So looking forward to reading the rest of that and sharing it with you on Monday's show. Again, that's Attached by Amir Levine and Rachel S.F. Heller. Now, I want to start off today, and it's kind of an interesting way that I'm going to try to do this, or interesting to myself, because I haven't really thought of things through completely about the topic I'm going to bring up. It's a topic that's been on my mind, and so usually I like to have a more clear sense of something before I share it with you. But actually, I thought it could be interesting for people because you might also be in a similar position as me, or I think many people might be in a similar position as me or have some similar thoughts as me on this topic. So in a way, I'll be thinking out loud with you, as I often do. But in this case, uh, I especially don't have a clear answer or haven't made a decision about my own life. So let me I'll tell you a bit about what what I'm talking about so it's more clear. Uh, so last night I saw a documentary called Earthlings, and essentially it was showing how humans treat animals in today's world. I think the documentary was maybe 10 years old, but still uh, what we're doing now to animals from um, pets to food to fur and clothing and leather uh, or to entertainment and all these ways that we treat animals. and. It was really heartbreaking and painful to watch, but it is the reality, and as is often the case, we try to avoid the reality when it's painful or uncomfortable and justify why maybe it's okay or why we uh, should look away. But uh, I, you know, I realized I need to take a look at this. And so for quite a while, several years at least, I've thought about this issue of being vegetarian or being vegan or um, how we treat animals and what I would want my role to be in that. And to be quite frank, very often I would just think about it, realize I felt something inside that didn't feel quite good about how animals were treated and that I was contributing to that by 
participating in society and having meat and whatever else I have done and still do. As I said, I, it's not that I'm declaring something today to you, uh, but sharing my thoughts. But I would think about that and I realized I didn't feel good and it would create a type of, if you want to call it, cognitive dissonance that uh, I'm doing something that I think is wrong or not okay. So I would often just try to dismiss it or go away from it. Or sometimes I would think, you know, I, I could see one day in the future thinking about it more carefully and then acting on it, but I'm not sure I want to do it at this time or uh, I'm ready for it. And so I would just push it aside. And so seeing this documentary last night, it was in a way forced me to come face to face with what's going on more clearly. I had heard of and seen videos, of course, of animal abuse and the way animals are treated, especially when it comes to food production, whether it was on Facebook or other means. I had seen things, um, but this was probably the longest that I really sat and watched something that was focused on on how we are treating animals. And, you know, it, it's hard for me to justify it. As I said, I recognize the hypocrisy to say these things but still not make a declaration about what I want to do in my own life. But I do think it's hard to justify the treatment of animals that we continue to do as a human species when it's especially not necessary. So I can understand if our ancestors or if you're living in a time or a period or an area where you are dependent on animals for sustenance and for different things, that there could be this uh, cliched way of thinking of it. I say cliched in my mindset of like a circle of life where you need to utilize animals in certain ways, but hopefully you do that with respect and uh, without waste and with minimal harm or suffering for those animals. But if we look at our own time period now, we're definitely not dependent on animals in the ways that we use them and abuse them. And so it's hard to make sense of, well, why do we still do it? Of course, it's what we've always done. There's traditions. And of course, there's big, big money involved. Of course, there's people who make billions of dollars off of um, using animals as food and as leather and clothing and various things that are going to strongly resist any movements towards, towards that. And so I, watching this movie it was hard for me to really comprehend or think of how this is acceptable. Often on this show, you have heard me say, we look back in history and sometimes look at some kind of injustice or something that was going on with disbelief that how was that acceptable? How was slavery acceptable in the United States? How was the treatment of women acceptable? And of course, the, the groups I'm mentioning still, there's uh suffering that's going on and it's not that we've achieved equality or perfect justice but we've moved away from some things that we accepted before and now would not tolerate or think uh, is not acceptable in any way but i always think we have to look at our current existence and experience and think what are the injustices that we continue to perpetuate and accept that future generations would look back and maybe laugh at us at our immorality or how we thought something was acceptable. And to me, things like the way even in a country like the United States, where there can be people who are homeless or suffering, or if there's people who don't get medication that leads to their death or ill health, when we have the means and the resources, 
that to me seems like something that people will look back on. And of course, even now we look at it and think, how is this okay? But especially, I think they'll look back and be shocked that we accepted that. And so I just on Monday, I think, mentioned this topic. And then I saw this yesterday and, and I thought, huh, this is something I haven't talked much about on my show about the type of injustices that might go on or we might consider acceptable in some way, but that should not be. And I thought that maybe this is something that would also fall under that umbrella of these injustices that we accept, that although it's not necessary and although it's harming even the environment on top of being inhumane and cruel to the animals, we're still doing this and accepting it every day. And I take part in it by you know, having meat and dairy and whatever else, I'm definitely complicit in that injustice as well. And, and then I have that thought. And then the next thought that comes up is, how do I make these changes? And also, what would it entail? That part has overwhelmed me too, because I know that there's plant-based diets versus vegan, and there's a lot of different terms. And the Terms themselves are not as important, obviously, as what they represent, but to really not want to harm animals in ever, any way, you have to look more than just being vegetarian and even vegan not ha- or uh, you know, not having dairy, let's say. But there's animals used in leather or animal testing done on products or animal oils or things that are used in different, let's say, makeup or whatever else. And, and again, I don't even know the extent of it. Um, but I do recognize it's up to me to educate myself and to look at what I want to do when it comes to this and what I think makes sense. And what I do also, you know, one of the cliches about people who are vegan is that they push it on other people or they guilt other people or they, you know, show off about being vegan. Um, I don't want to do that per se, and I haven't even made that decision yet, but even in talking about this, I'm not trying to shame anyone or guilt them, but as always, if I see something that is unjust or at least makes me think that we should question it, I want to share it with you, the things I'm thinking about. As I said, I'm thinking out loud with you in a sense because I have not made a decision on this topic about myself. But as I said, I also think many people are where I am. I've talked to people who also think, yeah, you know, it's it's pretty messed up what we do, but uh, I, I don't know, or what am I going to do? Never eat this again, never do that again. What am I going to do with my family? Uh, how do I make adjustments? And then you also hear things about like, well, how do you get enough, let's say, protein or certain vitamins? And I've talked to some people about these things in the past and more recently, but would have to do more research. And so I feel this overwhelmed feeling about the changes it might entail. Can I do it? Will it be uncomfortable? Um, Will it be? I don't think it's unhealthy, but you hear that from people. I think actually it probably is healthier, but making sure there's no negative health effects from it as far as getting the nutrients and and vitamins and minerals or whatever it is that I I need that I might be losing by not having animal products, but finding alternatives, which uh, I'm sure are out there because you see many people who are vegan and very, very healthy. Uh, But that part of it overwhelms me too. And it's, I think that leads to me and maybe others like me to just like, ugh, that's too much stuff. I, I just, I don't know 
how to do it, what to do, can I do it, is it going to be overwhelming, is it going to be inconvenient, you know, already I have this anxiety of what if you're somewhere and they don't have something or you're forced to do something in some way as far as like there's no alternatives to whatever the, the use of animals might be. And I feel stuck and overwhelmed and it makes me want to say forget it and go back to the status quo. And this is often the case with big changes or changes we try to make in our life in any way. Even if you're looking at how you are in a relationship or how you act in some other area of our life, very often we'll see something wrong or something doesn't feel quite right. But then when we look at the issue and realize all that it entails, and we might have to acknowledge also, oh, the ways I've done something wrong in the past. So if I accept that I'm going to, let's say, be plant-based, uh, in a way I'm obviously saying what I was doing before was wrong, which we have to be able to sit with and live with and recognize we, we make mistakes all the time. We get more informed or become more aware of certain things or more aware of ourselves. And we choose to do different things. Obviously, in the face of new information and new realizations, we should make changes and make uh, changes to our behavior and how we think and what we do. Keeping the same opinion when information is presented to us is actually the weaker point to be at. So uh, I'm still grappling with this. I finished the documentary pretty late last night and wasn't sure if I should talk about it yet because, uh, as I said, I haven't come to some clear conclusion or decision for myself and what I'd like to do, but I want to continue thinking about it and, and not shy away from facing the discomforts that come up when I'm looking at this issue about animal rights and how we treat animals and does it make sense to to treat animals the way we do and in the documentary it had a um, quote from Leo Tolstoy the Russian uh, author uh, which was as long as there are slaughterhouses there will be battlefields and that really struck me that that sense that when we treat animals in this way or we make it acceptable to treat animals in a certain way and justify killing when it's not necessary, it does lend itself to this mindset of killing when you need it, of putting down, you know, someone both figuratively but also literally, if it's in what you think is your best interests. To harm someone, to kill someone is okay um, when you think it's okay to harm and kill animals. I think that does make sense that that mindset has a big effect on us and we should think about what we're doing and not turn a blind eye you know now when you go, go down the supermarket aisle you might look differently at the meat products even for me at this moment i do have that feeling and i'm still as i said haven't made a decision about this but it's making me really consider things and think about it so i thought it would be interesting to share this with you while i'm still kind of in this contemplation phase about this issue and to hopefully invite people to think about it further. We, we don't want to shy away from thinking about things that make us feel uncomfortable, that feel incomplete, that we're not quite sure about, because that's often what we do in the face of big changes in ourselves, in others, in society. We look at a problem, okay, racism, well, it's too much stuff and I don't know how you do it and what can I even do? And then you say, ah, forget it and just 
give up and try to go back to the status quo and pretend like you don't know what you know. But we can't do that. And so I'm hoping to invite people, whether it's this issue about how we treat animals uh, on this planet uh, or other issues in your own life personally or in society to recognize that we have to have the un uncomfortable conversations with each other, but we also have to have the uncomfortable conversations with ourselves, the uncomfortable reflections and processing and thinking through of things that we can't just ignore them and hope it goes away because it doesn't. And this was something for me that I had on my mind and still do. And now even more, it's on the forefront. And I don't want to lose sight of that. Even in a way by talking about it on the show today, I recognize it would reinforce that I don't want to shy away from it or um, forget about it this time. And I do want to think about it more clearly and, and come to a decision that I feel is right and makes sense for me. And maybe I will share it with you uh, as the listeners. Maybe I won't. I don't want to, even if I do share it, make it in a way that this is something you should do, but sharing my own experience and what I've thought about and figured out. So anyway, that brings us to a commercial break. I might continue on this topic, but also want to open the phone lines, 310-441-0555. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Jalakwi. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Studio number 3104410555. Let's go to a caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hello. Do we have a caller there? Hello. We had a call. Yes, hi. Hi. Thanks Talking for calling. You're on the air. Yes, you're on the air. Thanks for calling. Okay, hi. Thank you for having me and picking up my call. And thank sure. you for discussing this subject because this is one of the challenging subjects of um, my profession. I'm an expert in this field and um, I was listening to your talk show and you were uh, sort of thinking out loud if I'm not mm -hmm. mistaken, correct? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, could I well, let me ask, when you just before you begin, I mean, just so I get clarity, you said you're an expert in the field. I want I, I wanted to see what you meant by that. Well, um, I'm a nutritionist. Oh, great. I have okay. a PhD in nutrition. Wonderful. That I'm very happy to yeah. hear what I you have to say. Life. Yeah. Great. So speaking of, um, science, uh, it's, very hard, almost impossible for human beings to provide um, the system, I mean the human body, with enough nutrients, macro and micro, um, without having um, animal food in a diet. So it's almost impossible, like plant food by itself will not be enough for the optimum health and growth and development um, and it would be really really appreciated uh, from our point of view if people wanted to decide about their diet consider their health and prioritize their health um, compared to other aspects of life 
I do understand that, as you were saying, and the the movie that you were talking about, or the reality of the life could be sometimes really cruel, but the point is that maybe we need to look at it in a different way. Uh, by saying that, I mean, um, there are stat- statistics outside saying that maybe 80% of the food in North America are thrown away and are not used properly. So many, very often I ask the question that why do we need to produce so much when, we, when the waste is so high? Why don't we prevent wasting? Then it's going to help us to put down in terms of slaughtering the animals and all. And then maybe we would be able to manage it that way rather than going against our uh, nature, which is also against our health. Um, I'm not sure if I was able to clear. No, I, I heard you. Yeah, I, I think, um, of course, there's a lot of different aspects to this issue, including food waste, period. And then uh, someone could argue how we treat animals if you're going to consume animals could be, uh, you know, obviously looked at and, and uh, analyzed in lots of different ways. I'm just wondering when you said we would not get the nutrients because I've heard some things i haven't researched it enough and i definitely will be researching and last night was looking up some things online what is not uh sufficient if someone were to have a plant-based diet and my show this is not a of course a a dietary or a vegan or vegetarian show but just because the topic has come up so let me know oh of course so for example um our diet is um includes macronutrients talking about carbohydrates, protein, and fat. And mm-hmm. high-quality protein is, uh, is uh, a must for our human um, body, and we won't be able to get the complete and high-quality protein from plant food only. And there are multiple factors involved in terms of digestion, absorption, processing, and all that is going to affect the plant food. So when, we, when the plant food and the protein comes from the plant food in our diet, many factors are in charge for a human being to be able to get the nutrients out of the plant food, which, which is not the same for animal food. So that's why the, the, their bioavailability, they call it, like how your human body is able to absorb the protein out of animal food and make make it useful for the body is way higher compared to mm-hmm. plant food, and this is well, one but, of it. The most important. You know, when you say way when you say way higher, and again, I, I'm definitely not the expert here, but I'm just trying to understand. Even if it's way higher, and let's say it's lower with plants, but could we still be sustained and still? Yeah, but let me give you an exact example. Let me give you an exact example. For example, we're talking about the highest quality of the protein in our food comes from the whole egg, white egg and egg yolk together. Mm -hmm. And that is uh, like sort of get a degree of 100, which is not 100-100, but in um, nutrition science, we, we say that it's 100. 
And we compare mm-hmm. everything to egg protein. And by the way, it's a complete protein, meaning that it has essential and non-essential amino acids, and amino acids are the building, building blocks of the protein. Essential and non-essential, meaning that those that the body can make, those are essential, or sorry, non-essential, because they are not mm-hmm. essential. But those that body cannot make and should get it via food, those are essential amino acids. The amino acids that if they are not existed in our food, in our diet, then the body by itself cannot make it. So right, but so, but are there? Well, here's. I mean, I, I don't mean to interrupt. It just also in the interest of of time. Um, I'm sure there's. You could talk for hours about these topics because you know them, and I don't know. I, I'm still trying to get the sense when you say it's more efficient. Is it really that we can't sustain ourselves without the animal products? Or are you saying it is more efficient if we use animal no, products? No, we because cannot sustain. No, we cannot. So a human it's being be cannot very, live. It's very, very hard. Okay. Yeah, then it's I, be very hard. So when people are vegan, you're, you're saying they're somehow deficient? Or they're, yeah. you know. Okay. Definitely. I, I have there are certain... There are certain nutrients that any vegetarian needs to get it, get it from supplements. And in terms of supplements, we try, we do our best to supplement their diet with the hope that they will get it from their supplements. But still, we are not so sure. Because when we have this the nutrients in our diet, uh, uh, um, not in the, we, we are, when we get the nutrients in our diet, not via food rather than supplements, the absorption can be affected with multiple factors mm-hmm. um, that we are not even aware of, which that scenario doesn't exist when we are having our food. Sure. I mean, in general, I'm I'm definitely on board with that, that you'd want to get it naturally rather than supplements. I don't know enough, and I'm going to continue researching it uh, along with the information you shared, because if it's possible to me, the you know, looking at it in a holistic way, if we can survive and from what i know i see people who are vegan who seem to survive and be okay but again i have to research that more closely as well but when i think of the holistic approach even if we were somehow less efficient in some ways like as you said in a dietary way um but if it had a bigger impact on our overall society and well-being i would want to look at that as well as potential options you know because I, I and I also know that the way we produce and you said we might look at this um, meat in the United States for example has huge negative impacts on the environment and other things as well so it has bigger we, I think we have to obviously look at this in a holistic way of all the different ways that things are affected as far as the nutrition goes I definitely want to look into it more to see if it's healthy and if it is something sustainable i will definitely take into account what you shared and i want to look at both sides people who are in favor people who are against look at the science and come to some conclusion as i said in the first segment it's not that i've made some decision for myself but that i felt like it's something definitely worth looking at i didn't want to ignore especially looking at the treatment of animals and how you know if we can't i think we should make that unacceptable and i didn't want to accept that or at least i didn't want to neglect that or ignore it so it's something i definitely want to look into more for myself but i'll definitely take into account what you said i have heard of some people um, talking about certain vitamins that are not 
available in plants that might be available, let's say, in certain meats and things like that. So it, it, I know it's something I'm very, at this stage, pretty ignorant about overall. I don't have a lot of information, but I appreciate you calling in to share some of your input that um, we have to be aware of the health consequences that we experience, and I'll, I'll look into that. So thank you for sharing your expertise. Of course, anytime. Thank you for bringing up the subject. Thank you. Have a great day. And thank you for having me. You as well. Bye now. Thank you. So, yeah, there's a, yeah, I, I'm, I am, as I said, fairly ignorant on this. I don't know enough, and I will continue to research it. But um, when we want to hear people from both sides and who have differing opinions, so uh, I, I heard her thoughts, and I want to look into what she was saying. I have heard of that, and like I said, I haven't made a specific decision for myself. But um, I hope to encourage people to not shy away from looking at these topics and these issues because we need to. And, and as I said with, with her, I, I think we want to look at a holistic approach in the sense that even if, let's say, it was somehow less e efficient and I was trying to understand that better, um, what does that mean for us as humans and as humanity and the ways that we act towards animals? But also there's huge inefficiencies, as far as I understand, about producing milk. Uh, producing well, milk too, but meat and how that impacts the environment can impact the way it affects the world and our overall well-being. And so there's a lot of factors to look into, but of course we have to make sure we physically can survive and be healthy first and foremost. Um, and, and I have to look into that a lot more. So appreciate the caller sharing her um, expertise and her knowledge on that. I will have to continue to look into it myself, but appreciate her calling in. Let's go to another commercial break. Studio number 310-441-0555. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Studio number 310-441-0555. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hi, is this me? Yes, hi, thanks for calling. Hi, no problem, uh, Dr. Fahid, how are you doing? Good, thank you. How about yourself? Not too bad, thank you so much. Good. actually called uh, about, uh, to ask a question about my daughter, but then I uh, decided if you have time, I'm going to ask a question about myself as well. Okay, uh, sure. If I may. So I started with my daughter, she's two and a half years old, and she always, and we never had problems with her nap time and uh, her sleeping time and anything like that. She, she gets enough sleep between 12 and 14 hours. I think that's what she's supposed to take. She, she's supposed to have, uh, and, and she's having right now. But she started having some issues with the nap time during the day. Um, she kind of is opposed to it. She doesn't want to take it. And sometimes uh, we, we, we try different techniques, and kind of some of them are successful more than the other ones. But sometimes she just doesn't want to let go of my hand and mm. she insists me uh, taking her and she doesn't want to sleep so I don't know how do I, how do I react to that well you know um, the first thought that comes to my mind is we always want to be aware you know it's good to we have like schedules we want our kids to be on a schedule both for them but of course for ourselves too to make our lives easier and function but we have to always remember that when we think about the day times and the time of the day and those things it makes perfect sense to us and it's how we run our days but 
to a baby, it's less important, of course, and less significant. And they don't function in that same way that, oh, it's 2 p.m. It's time for this. You know, they listen to their body more. And actually, uh, something that we tend to lose as even children, then especially as we become adults, is listening to our body about when we need to rest, when we need to eat, different things, because we get more, you know, become a slave to to uh, the time. You know, oh, it's lunchtime, so I have to eat, or it's bedtime, so I have to sleep. But we don't really pay attention to that, whereas kids, they're, they're going to be, uh, you know, more attuned to what their body wants and needs. So I wouldn't push it, especially. So I wouldn't say, well, this is her nap time. She has to sleep now. And then I understand, first of all, it can have consequences uh, for you and, and your partner about taking care of your own life and things. And then maybe at night, if she doesn't sleep, it affects things. So I'm not saying to have no uh, influence or not influence her at all but be aware of sometimes we can get fixated on certain things like this has to be nap time and we can resist giving the child space to you know express what they want to do as well so i would be aware of how much you put that pressure on her now going back to you know you said holding your hand you mean she needs to hold your hand to fall asleep or she won't no, fall asleep no not at all the, the routine is we, um, me and my wife, both go in the room with her and then um, try to read some books or play a little bit before you know, uh, the nap time. Maybe half mm -hmm. hour to one hour, maybe half hour to one hour before her bedtime. Depending on our schedule, we go to her bedroom and try to do those things and play with her. And the last thing we do, because she come up with new things each time, so these days she's asking for milk and water and some fruit before she actually wants to go to sleep and we bring those with us to the room and she takes those and we say okay bye have a good sleep first my wife says that and then next she calls me says dad and then i go there and say okay have a good good night or good sleep and try to go out and that's when a couple of times happen not, not too frequently a couple of times she just as soon as they start saying okay have a good good time or have a good sleep and want to go out, she just holds my hand and say, no, take me with you, let's go watch some TV, let's do other stuff. So the impression she gives me is, what about all those exciting stuff out there? Why should I go to bed? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and, I, I've been there before too. But yeah, so I mean, that's a, <laughs> we, sometimes we don't want to go to sleep. And so, uh, you know, like I said, I don't know, you know, these things are usually not going to be so black and white. My first reaction is to not push it, as I said, that she has to sleep. We can see what's going on. You know, is it also maybe she doesn't get tired the way she did before at this time? No, actually, is... it's the other way around. I think if she, okay. when she does that, it's either past bedtime right. or nap time mm -hmm. or she's too tired. Like if she goes to the swimming pool and she goes to the park and we take her out for, you know, other stuff, walk or stuff. And then... She's too tired. I, I think that's mm. maybe in more realistic side than the other way around. Like, okay. She's usually yeah. more tired than less. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, so maybe she's kind of past that point. And yeah, parents, they always have that. They'll talk about how it's like a you have to find that sweet spot. If they're not tired enough, then they won't fall asleep. But if yeah. you wait too long, sometimes then they get restless and cranky because they're tired, but they can't fall asleep and they're you know more irritable. Um, so, you know, we want, that's why we want to look at the whole picture and it's good you are. It's not just, okay, she has to be asleep at this time. So maybe we have to be aware of how much activity she's 
having or if she's doing more you might even push the nap time up a little bit maybe i don't know 20 30 minutes depending on how she's feeling or see when she's comfortable going to nap time um, yeah, yeah you know so the, or and I'll, here's another question is she always are you guys and i know right now with quarantine it's a very different um you know life uh and the schedules and things but are you home with her because the reason i'm asking is it seems like she wants to yeah, spend days, time with you COVID, we are both home and we are both home 24 7 with her which is a little bit different schedule than when she was going to daycare Mm-hmm. Now she's not going to take care. We are not going to, like, I'm working from home and my wife is sitting from home. So we are all the time together. So that's yeah. another part of the reason that routine is changed because in her school, she, she doesn't have this routine. She goes to, she, she takes some nap time, but they don't do things, they do things differently. They just yeah. put kids to bed and leave and they can do whatever they want. They might not do anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. And so that's the thing is like we're, you know, and I get again having a routine for her and for you, especially for you and your wife makes sense to get things done, to know when she's going to be asleep, to know when you're going to do certain things. But we really want to make sure we keep that flexibility that, you know, 2 p.m. to her doesn't have the same meaning it does to you and your wife. And so um, it could be also she wants to spend time with you. And maybe something you're already doing is you can let her know about how whatever it is she says she wants to do you can show her you're also interested and that you want to do it with her later in the afternoon or after her nap so she sees that you are interested and it's not that we're not going to do those things and you don't want to do those things but making her know she still has you in that way so it might not make a difference but at least giving her that sense that it's not that we're not going to watch that movie or play that game or whatever it is she's saying Uh, but right now you know we're going to try nap time so that we can play later on Uh, but i really would make sure you don't push it too hard because um and see what happens though so if she doesn't you know nap and then she's so cranky later on i I understand that's something to look at but just i wouldn't push it too much is definitely my Mm -hmm. overall philosophy on that because it, it it's not as important that she sleeps at a certain time as much as she doesn't feel forced or pressured to you know to get her to sleep yeah i planned for us to talk uh yesterday because yesterday was one of those episodes that i had to make a decision and just uh you know despite the fact that she wanted to um, you know, hold hold on my hand and not mm-hmm. let go. I just said, "Okay, good night," and left. So I did. That didn't give a very good feeling to me. So I decided to talk with you today. But yeah. then today, it was everything was smooth and easy, and she just decided to to sleep and no problem. Okay, um, that's cool. So I think I. If I keep doing that, I'm damaging her, am I not? <laughs> I mean, damaging is a strong, I don't want to, you know, uh, look, if, if yeah, I'll say it this way, no matter what you do, you're going to damage her. But the good thing is we all, we're all damaged and we're okay. So uh, we want to, you know, I don't want to put that pressure on you, whatever, you know, that's, but I think what you felt is something, that feeling of, you know, we can get sometimes too fixated on, okay, I have to get her to sleep more than being there for our child and uh, i talk a lot about how we shouldn't just base everything on making sure the kid feels good in that exact moment sometimes right life but at her age especially it's more you know this is when they get older when a kid's like one two we of course sometimes have to say no and set limits of course but um with these kinds of things giving her a feeling that you're leaving might not be good it seems like she was okay she went to sleep okay today uh but i think 
giving her that sense. I always try to encourage parents that I'm going to be here as long as you need me. Even kids who start to have separation anxiety, sometimes they get clingy, like they'll hang on to their parents. And even the parents understandably can get frustrated or almost annoyed. And I always tell them when your child is hugging you and holding you tight, you want to make sure they let go first, meaning you're going to hold them as long as they need it so they know you're mm-hmm. there. And then mm-hmm. when they get that security, it's actually easier for them to go explore without oh, you. Yeah, but yeah, if they yeah. don't get it. So, you know, this is a very small incident of that. So I don't, you know, you said that word damage was very, in a way, dramatic. So, and I made that joke so you know it's not something so big that you've done. But my mindset would be more towards really paying attention to what she needs and wants. And uh, and I get it, you're probably working and things that maybe you say, okay, I have to get on a f- phone call and you plan it to be 10 minutes after her nap and now she's not sleeping. And so it, it creates some stress and you might even have to think about how you're planning your day around her nap and being a little more flexible if you can um, to accommodate that because we don't want her to be pressured by that and, and for you to feel pressured by that as well. So it's, um, you know, seems to be, also she's getting older so we don't know if that's going to change her sleeping pattern and sleeping times and it's tough to know as a parent is it she's changing as she's getting older or is it really something she's going through now Uh, you know there's no clear-cut way to know exactly what was going on for her yesterday or these days right 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 okay makes sense thank you so much for that sure do i have time to ask another question or sure yeah let's see we have a few minutes before commercial break and then even if we don't get to all of it we'll we'll talk after the break some more so yeah go ahead what's your other question i appreciate it thank you so much that's about myself Mm -hmm. the feedback i received a couple times from my uh manager and uh uh her boss actually is uh that i always have to be right that they're wording Meaning that uh, I probably uh, insist of like I have a certain way of doing things and instant instant like uh, I have to be on that way and I don't take any anything else maybe mm-hmm. or I don't take critic well or things like that. Um, I also wanted to add something to that, um, and that is that I cannot take orders from someone that I believe knows less than I do. Like if I mm-hmm. if I don't think my manager is more knowledgeable than I am, I cannot I, I have a hard time taking orders from them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Combine these two yeah. what do you think what is your take on it? <laughs> sure. Yeah. That, well, you know, what's interesting was you're saying that you don't like to get feedback or critique. And I, I don't know if I was so critical necessarily, but when you were talking with me, you were very open to it. And it seemed like you were accepting of, of my opinion. Um, now, maybe that relates to you're giving me some level of knowledge. So you're accepting what I say when you're saying with your manager or boss, you might not have that same level of respect of their thinking on certain things. Um, so Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Let, me, let me just uh, interrupt sure. you there, if I may. Because it, what I do with my manager, for example, is I test, I, I test her, or I don't know how to put it. I, um, you know, observe the things that have happened during the time, that if I follow the direction, what happens? If I don't, what has happened? What, what happens? So I do the risk analysis, and I make a decision that I... I'm not going to take this, this no direction. I'm not going to follow it because mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it was proven to me that what she says is not necessarily right. But at the same time, this is creating some problem in work because I'm supposed to follow direction. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. And that's and that's where we have to look at um, what's in your best interest and what's in the best interest of working on a team. Um, you know, when we work on a team and we have different roles, we sometimes can put too much meaning onto the roles, both sides. You know, sometimes someone thinks I'm the boss, so I'm better than or higher than these other people. When I think the healthier way, which can be tough to get to, but if we can do it as good is to be like, this is my role on this team. So on this team or in this uh, way that we're working on things, I'm going to be the one that might give some directions, but it's not because I'm better than, but it's just my role right now. Just like if you're the coach of a, a basketball team, you tell the players what to do and they might give you some level of respect, but it doesn't make you better than them. It's just your role in that setting, not better than worse. But oftentimes for us, it could bring this feeling like, you know, your boss or your manager is better than you and if you're looking at her and thinking i'm smarter than her it might bring up this anger that why am i supposed to answer to this person when i'm actually smarter than them the roles should be reversed so you might be not accepting the current state of affairs which maybe can't be changed in a short term and you don't want to accept that this is my boss or this is the person i'm supposed to answer to because even you said, you know, she's not always right. Well, no one's always going to be right. Uh, now, I'm doubting that she's always wrong either. So to always just do the opposite of what she says doesn't necessarily mean you're doing something for a good reason. And it might be reflective more of some kind of rebellious feeling that I don't want to listen to this person, which probably in the long run is going to hurt you more too in what you experience at work and even how they evaluate you and what you might get to. Now, I want to talk more about this and we're at a commercial break, but before I we go, just curious, what kind of work do you do? Engineering. Engineering. Okay. Which yeah. oftentimes has more clear right and wrong answers. And um, my manager but, is not an engineer. Not, yeah, and that okay, that's actually kind of critical, uh, I'm sure, in how you take what they have to say. And I don't know if they're giving you direct feedback or your manager's telling you what to do in, the, in an engineering sense or just guiding what you're going to do. But think about it a little bit over the break. I will too. But uh, let's go to commercial and talk after the break, okay? Sounds good. Okay, all right. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Before the break, we're with the caller. Let's go back to him now. Hello. Hello. All right. So before the break, we first talked about your lovely two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, but then we transitioned talking about your um, working experience and having some issues or getting the feedback that you don't listen or take feedback well and also don't like to listen to specifically you were recognizing your own manager who uh, you added at the end is not an engineer, which is what you do, uh, but also you don't think is as knowledgeable. And I don't know if you just mean in the realm of engineering. But as I mentioned before the break, does your manager give you direct engineering advice or direction? Or is it in other ways and you don't want to listen to what she has to say? It's a very good question, and it's complicated. Uh, I will mm -hmm. try to be as detailed as possible. But sure. uh, before break, you mentioned something that uh, I wrote it down and I really liked it. I just want to repeat that to make sure I sure. got it right, because I think if I understand this well and apply it, it's going to solve uh, most of the problem. You said you cannot, if in a in a team environment, put too much meaning on things, and the role is what dictates the respect, not necessarily the person who is having that role. 
Did I get it right. almost right? Okay. I, I, no, you didn't get it almost right. I think you said it better than I did. Yeah, that that's very good. And that's that's uh, what I meant is that spirit of that that you recognize. And on both ends, whether you are the one with the, let's say, power in this type of dynamic or the one who does not, especially when you're the one who has the power, actually, I'll add, and I know in your case, we're talking about maybe the reverse of it. But we really have to be aware that when we are have a position even for me it's you're serving in that position so when uh-huh. you're a teacher of course in the united states i want to be careful because teachers don't get enough respect and resources and pay and so many things but still you know you're not the one who has power over these kids to tell them what to do you're serving as a teacher who is trying to uh, of course educate them and be a role model and so many other things but it's an act of service and even as a parent uh, you, you know, to your daughter, of course, you are the one with the power and authority in so many ways, but I consider you and your wife servants to your child. By that, I don't mean that you guys are, uh, you know, she can dictate you and you have disrespect you, but that you are in service of her growth. That's really what your role is. Not that I'm the parent and I get to be like a dictator. And a lot of parents do take on that mindset or framework that I get to do whatever I want. And, you know, I have all this power and control. But we almost want to flip it that you're in a way in service of your child that you've been given this role and this opportunity it's more of a responsibility to serve rather than a responsibility or power to have and to gain but anyway so the same thing even in a work environment or any environment i would hope that someone who has that position recognizes yeah i might be the manager of this person or this group or whatever but that's the role that i have in in this and in overall i'm a human being like them it doesn't put me above them and them below me but in this way that we're working well, so anyways requires yeah. a certain level of security but sure when mm-hmm. you you don't feel secure because maybe you're not an engineer and managing engineers and things like that 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 level of security is not high mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. is i think part of the problem but i might be wrong but that doesn't matter Let's focus on me. Not well, and it's not that it doesn't matter. Yes, exactly. It's not that it doesn't matter. It's definitely going to be part of the dynamic and part of what you're dealing with. But as you said yourself, focusing on you in the sense that, of course, we can't control or even really try to analyze what she's doing. But yes. we can only look at what you're doing because that's all you can have effect over. But yes, go ahead. Right. So going back to the question about dynamics of work and type of work that I'm being assigned and we do, mm-hmm. we do technology evaluations, meaning that companies um, provide te- new technologies to us and asking us to evaluate it, provide feedback and verify them and certify them and things like that. And that's when the problem starts because I try to look at it in a technical point of view and provide my feedback. The feedback I receive usually from a manager is on technical stuff plus other stuff, meaning that mm-hmm. you have some um, grammatical error here, you have line spacing errors, you have things like that, and which is okay if it is not according to the guidelines, it's not according to the line, and it doesn't matter if it's small or big, I need to fix it, and I go mm-hmm. fix it. But then in my evaluation, most of the things I receive is not about technical errors, it is not about lacking knowledge or anything like that, it's a okay, spacing is, 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 is wrong, you don't pay attention to, you know, the, I don't know, you, you're supposed to put the date here, not here, you're supposed to put the signature block here, not here, things like that, you know, they're, they're my, to me, they're minor stuff, to mm-hmm. her, it doesn't matter if it is minor, it's not, it's going to be reflected in my performance evaluation, uh, and none of the good stuff is in the performance evaluation, never. Mm. Okay, fine. But but the thing is, I take those seriously because I think that's part of my job. 
but mm, honestly, mm, most people don't. <laughs> most mm-hmm. people say, okay, whatever. It, if it is bad, it's bad. They yeah. just sign it and move on. So I guess I, I will have to learn to do that. Well, not just that, but it does seem like you don't feel appreciated by the manager as far right. as your strength. So that and that's going to have you know that will have effects. And again, we can't control obviously what. Uh, she does um but it's something you could even have a conversation with her you know i'm reminded of the book i also mentioned on monday's show called difficult conversations or i think i mentioned it on the instagram live so maybe it's not on the show but nonetheless uh in having conversations that are difficult and sometimes even like a case like this where it's with your manager so there might be a slight power differential where you feel like she has more of the power and that could affect how we approach the conversation but you you could mention that to her because it seems like where you're at with her is there's this this anger towards her and almost like uh, annoyance and frustration so of course any communication you have from her especially if it's critical even in the smallest degree it's going to really upset you because you you feel like things are unfair she doesn't see your strengths and acknowledge those and just points out these mistakes or small mistakes whatever they might be and so it's going to make every communication you get with her be loaded with that emotion of frustration and anger and resentment that it seems like you have for her if that makes sense yeah it does definitely definitely so so we want to see how we can work and and it could be maybe it's something uh you can have a conversation with her or express this to her in a way that As I mentioned, I know it can be tough because this is a person who maybe has some more power in the relationship. Before, during the past few years, we were working. We tried that, and that the reason that uh, her boss is involved is because of these conversations. That in one point we decided to to escalate. (laughs) Okay. But Uh but but no, I I don't think that conversations is taking me too far, honestly. So I just decided to accept the fact that I cannot change. And I have to either accept, live with it, and f- try to find other ways of changing myself, or just try to um, play it, you know, in a safe and just ignore some stuff. Like I just sign and move on, and you know. Um, yeah, I mean, no, now the things she's saying, I know you're saying they're not a big deal, the like these things, but there are they things that you think need to be corrected when she says like the date or the thing. And- no, the thing is, the company suffer. You know, during the past few years, another, uh, you know, one of these companies who has applied to us uh, called me unofficially and was literally crying, saying that I'm homeless now because you guys are keeping my application for two years. And I said, I understand. I, I couldn't, you know, provide the details because of, you know, the, uh, the, the, the job that I'm, you know, and it's mm-hmm. not professional to provide when, when, she's, when they're calling me, you know, mm-hmm. uh, unofficially. But I, I feel bad for them. It, I really do. It's it's just uh, not right when we keep it and we don't pay attention to the technical side because we don't want to approve something. And it's just not. I don't. I don't feel it's right. That's mm-hmm. why I have to some somehow make a decision. Do I stand up or do I just do what's best for me? <laughs> yeah. I, well. You know, and but what's best for you is complicated because maybe you're saying on one hand what's best for you is like surviving at this job, but if it's you're constantly frustrated and upset. That might not be best for you in the long run. Now, going back a little bit, you said things escalated. If you can briefly tell me what happened there that it escalated and you need to get her boss involved. So the first couple of years after I, uh, you know, I did the things that I 
the, the way that I think is supposed to be done and is right, I started receiving less and less projects, right? So after two, three years, I had nothing to do or I had the, the less important stuff to do. So I decided to say something very professionally, say, okay, um, is there a reason? Is there no work or is it, is it something that I can do? So in, the, in, in this situation, my hair boss changed. So I took that opportunity to very professionally bring it up in some meetings, say, okay, I am ready to accept more work and more responsibility. And uh, the, the big boss said, okay, give me a couple of months, I will put more work on your plate. And that happened. So I decided, I, I started doing more work and more important stuff and things were going well. But after a year, when she got handle over things and she got established her relationship with her boss, same things happened again, again, and again, and we never approved anything since then after that. So the way she does things, that's my version, might be wrong, mm -hmm. but my version is she, she doesn't want to approve anything because of the liabilities. She's so I scared see. of making a mistake on approving something that's not supposed to be approved, and her technique to that is, okay, let's not approve anything because we can always find something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so, I true. mean... We can always find something. Sure. Yeah, but well, I mean, I can see the frustration. Small. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can, I mean, again, I don't, I can understand your frustration even though I don't fully understand the ins and outs of your work and, and exactly the dynamics at play in what she's doing. And so you might be left with one of those situations where you might have to accept that's how she is. And is it either you can live with this and, and find a way that this is her mentality and her way of doing things, or maybe you don't want to stay there or work there. But yeah, we're not going to be able to change her, unfortunately. So it's not just that you yeah, think she's less knowledgeable than you. When it comes to engineering, you might actually be completely right. Um, yeah, I don't want to say less knowledgeable, but I, I want to say we have, we have different skill sets, right? So the things yeah. that I think more stronger let me have my freedom of saying those things, you know, because I have at least, like, there's a couple of things here that I might have a better handle on than you do. So let me at least express those. I understand that, you know, in these 10 things better than I do, but there, there might be one thing that I might know a little better, you know. But she doesn't okay. want to do that. So, yeah, um, it's just... Well, it's, it's tough it's, because, it's you know, you can't... Always. <laughs> yeah. And that makes it, you know, when you approach someone like that, the less you challenge them, and it's not about manipulating her, but the less you tell her, no, it's not going to be your way, but see if there's some way yes. to still do it her way, but make your point also get across. It's just a way of approaching it. But I think because you have so much anger towards her, it's going to be a little bit harder um, to do that. Yeah. You, you need yeah. to be aware of that, that if you do talk to her and if you approach it with a level of anger or... Uh, frustration or expectation that she's going to be wrong or stubborn, you're probably not going to get anywhere. You, you might have to try at some level to recognize even where she's coming from. Maybe she's more of an anxious type. I, I'm not sure. And so she worries more about those things. So it's not that she's a bad person or she's trying to make your work difficult because she just doesn't like you or it's personal to you. It's probably how she is or who she is. And so if you can give her the benefit of the doubt that she's probably not a bad person, person that she's no the... I don't, not at all i don't think she's yeah. a bad person it's just a we have two different approach my approach is yeah. we are here to help people and companies her approach is no we are here to uh, make sure everything is by the book which i agree 
but that doesn't mean that we always have to say no. So that's sure, and catch, you know, you know, but I mean, <laughs> right? I'm trying to find the place that you say yes. <laughs> well, or we have to find the place where you guys overlap. And, and but if you come from a space that I want to help people, and her motivation is something different, it, it is in a way judging her way of doing it as she's wrong or not trying to help people. She's just worried about, like you said, the liability. But maybe that's because she wants to make sure you you guys do it in the right way, so there isn't yeah. a you know. So it, that's what I mean by. Rec- I've never seen a lawsuit, by the way. I've never seen any any lawsuit from any company. That is, yeah. that just these liabilities might happen. She's right, but I've never seen one, and I never heard of one. So yeah. to me, it's a little bit too much. Like the the level of um, anxiety she has, I think it is too much. But I kind of understand it in a way. But that it might happen. Yes, there is a possibility always. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's uh, obviously complicated. You definitely don't see eye to eye with her, and she's the one who has more power in this dynamic. So that makes it challenging to, uh, yeah. for you, you yeah. know, so you're gonna have to try to see how do I operate in this space where I don't have as much of an influence on the situation. You're saying you feel like you've tried communicating with her, it didn't really get anywhere. And it could just be you have such different styles or in your mindset, she's very anxious that that's not going to change from you telling her, hey, take it easy a little bit like she just thinks she thinks what she's doing is the right way of doing it and not that she's doing something wrong. So um, you have to either recognize, can I function in this dynamic with her? Try my best to accept that as frustrating as it might be for me, she's going to see it differently from me. But the feedback you're getting implies that at some level you are not listening to her. And I think because you're frustrated with her, and like you said, she's wrong, you know, you think she's wrong most of the time. If you're not listening to her, then you're going to get yourself in not just trouble in the sense of like, with them, but it's going to be worse for you in the long run. So I don't know how to resolve that. But you have to find a way that you're not going to be the one paying the price yourself, because it seems yeah, like so there's this a rebellious. Exactly what's happened. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And because of there's that seems to be this almost rebelliousness against her. So you can even recognize that when you listen to her, even though it seems like I'm listening to her as in she is like the power and she is right and I'm letting her like win. It seems like you have definitely a battle with her, which is like win lose kind of a thing. And I don't want to lose. And if I listen to her, she wins. It's realizing that because of the system because of how things are and where I function in this uh, dynamic with her, I'm going to listen. It's more in the sense of even to keep unity for the work. If I want the work to go forward, you're not going to be able to just go through her or around her, you know? So if your mindset is I want to help people, which I get could be frustrating if you think she's slowing that down, um, I still will have to work in this system with her as frustrating as that is. So she's not winning. You're not giving her something you're not telling her she's better than you or more right than you but this might just be the reality of your situation where by listening to her you might be helping people the most in the long run anyway and that's Uh more the driving force than just you know making it that way and so that me versus her that you have is going to make everything more stressful for you and it's not a light switch that you can just turn that off but if you can recognize that and start to shift it away from it's me against her versus this is just me in this company and this is my manager and i i have to function the best way for me 
that might uh-huh. shift it away from trying to prove her wrong, trying mm-hmm. to go against her word, and all those things that are just going to, in the long run, hurt you and your job performance and how you feel at the company. Yeah, it just takes the joy of the, you know, helping people directly t- take the joy away because, you know, it's, it's not the reason I started doing this. You know, is that the reason for me to start doing this is just help people to get their, achieve their goals. Because yeah. you know, that's why they're fighting. Mean, yeah, I, I get it. You're you're kind of interrupting. You know, you think she's interrupting what you want to do in some way. But it's again, you might have to accept your reality as being this. At least at this time, I don't know as far as changing jobs and changing positions and all those things and what options you have. Yeah, but hard. look at this also as a challenge. Yeah, especially in this time, I, I can imagine. So look at it as this is your challenge right now. How do I make this work? And also even how am I contributing to this situation? As in like, what can I do differently? You know, it's not all on her. I'm sure you've yes. contributed yes. to it in some way too. And again, yes. that's not about blame, but about understanding what you've done so you can either undo or do something differently going forward. You know. Yes, yes. No, I really appreciate it. Uh, before we go, um, I sure. just I was wondering if you take any type of insurance in your practice. Well, you can call my office, you know, if you stay on the line, people. And right now I'm only doing video sessions anyway because of COVID. Um, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's something I'd rather not get into on the air. But you can feel free to hang on and I'll uh, let Ghazal let you know my office number if you want to give me a call. Sure, sounds good. Thank you so much. Okay, nice talking to you. Take care. Same here. Thanks. Bye. Sure. Let's go to another commercial break. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Studio number 310-441-0555. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hello. Am I on? Yes, hi. You are. Thanks for calling. Hi. Um, I My name is Ava, and I am 21 years old, and I just wanted to bring, I kind of wanted to talk about the whole plant-based diet thing again and kind of touch okay. on a few things you said and the call, the previous woman who spoke before um, about sure. the and, subject. And before we get so, into that, I, I, thank you for calling, and you know, I always try to be aware when we talk about someone who was on the air before, not to direct it towards her directly, but I understand it might be about stuff she brought up. But um, I'm not sure what you have to share, but go right ahead. Yes, totally. Um, I just want to start off by saying thank you for bringing light to this really important topic that I feel like is not very talked about in the Persian community. And mm-hmm. um, I hope that what I like say after this will inspire at least one person, but I'm um, a student at UC Berkeley. I study nutritional science, and I'm almost done finishing up my degree. And in a couple years, I will be a registered dietitian. And I've been studying nutrition for years and years and years. And I've actually been following a plant-based diet for five years now. And I teach a class at Berkeley, actually, about food, where we touch on these topics. So and I'm very passionate, and as I know I've, I don't have the degree yet, but I think I know a lot more than most people about this, um, and I read the scientific literature often. And I just wanted to bring up a few points about the diet and about the health aspect, because I truly believe it is the healthiest way to live your life. 
not only is a plant-based diet the only diet that has been proven to reverse, not only prevent, but reverse heart disease, which is the number one killer of our country today and of most developed nations, but it also has been shown to protect against cancers, to protect against type 2 diabetes, and all of these things are things that affect a lot of people in the world, but also a lot of people in our community, and I know my family is full of diabetics and um, people who have had heart attacks, and Persians in general deal with these lifestyle-related issues, and I think it's very important to bring to light that this way of eating is very protective, but also you're never too deep into your diet and you're never too, it's never too late to start eating this way. And after doing so much research, I just thought about it and I was like, why do people think that you need animal products? After you, after I kind of found out that you don't and you can thrive on a plant-based diet, I was confused as to why I was brought up and so many people were brought up to believe otherwise. And I think a big thing to do with it is the, the meat and dairy industries have kind of taken over our country and they their products are subsidized and they've their lobbyists have affected laws and different different things in our country that make us believe this this outdated way of eating is the right way of eating where but like people eating the standard American diet are dying of heart disease and all these other lifestyle related complications and obesity rates have risen so much and that's not to say that everyone eating a vegan diet is healthier. That's so not true. Right. Um, you could be eating potato chips and Coca-Cola all day, every day, and that's considered vegan. But I'm talking about going back to whole plant foods and eating grains and legumes and vegetables and fruits and all these other things that are made of plants. And plants, by the way, are made of protein, of how most animals get their protein is from plants. I mean, elephants are herbivores, and you see how big they get eating plants. So just the high-quality protein um, point that someone touched on, and many people say when they say that you can't get high-quality protein on a plant-based diet, is I've found to be untrue. And there have been studies showing that this is just not the case and mm-hmm. that people eating a plant-based diet get more than enough protein and I think something that we should be talking about more instead of protein is fiber, because over 97% of Americans are getting enough protein, including those that are vegetarian and vegan, the only people who aren't, and people who are not eating enough calories. And so if you eat enough plant-based foods, you're going to be getting enough protein. I mean, every plant has protein in it, but we're not talking about fiber. And only 3% of Americans are getting enough fiber in their diet. The rest of us are eating less than 15 grams a day, which is way less than the recommended amount. And fiber, the only place you can find it is in plants. And so I think there's just these these myths and these ideas that we've been brought up with that just don't feel mm-hmm. true today. And I want to urge everyone to, I don't know, just eat more plants. And you don't have to go fully vegan. But there are so many studies that say otherwise that you can be so healthy i mean i don't know which documentary you watched but forks over knives the game changers what the health these are all films that are trying to convey this message to large audiences and i highly urge people to watch them because they're backed by science and there's another great resource called nutritionfacts.org and it's 
it's unbiased, evidence-based nutrition research that comes to the same exact conclusion. And so when you look at the research and when you really dig deep into all this and are actually looking at it from an objective perspective, I think it would be silly to say that you could not be a healthy plant-based person. Sure. Well, yeah. I'm. Thank you for sharing your um, thoughts and your uh, knowledge that you have on it. I, I, as I mentioned with the caller before you uh, about an hour ago, I've I haven't learned much, of course, other than your guys's opinions, and I have to study a lot to really understand it for myself and come to a conclusion. I think um, I've heard things like, for example, B12 deficiencies, but then there's ways you can maybe get that in, in other ways too. So I have to do a lot of research myself, but appreciate you sharing your perspective and your insights and that I hope even in talking about it and in allowing you to talk about it, it's just going to make it a topic of conversation to at least look at it. You know, if the conclusion is we can't survive on a purely plant-based, which I'm not convinced of, I think from what I've seen of people surviving and living, being vegan, they seem to be okay, but maybe there's things I don't know about. Um, But as you said, even the first step could be having less meat or less animal products so we can take small steps. Because I also know when we tell people sometimes something that feels too extreme, they just want to throw the whole thing out. So if you tell them either it's be completely vegan or be as you are today, they're going to choose, well, I just want to be how I am today because I'm used to that. I'm comfortable with that and I don't have to make any changes. And we always resist change as human beings. So um, I, I think you mentioned that in what you were saying, that even in reducing our intake, that could be a first step of just thinking about that and being open to that. Uh, so um, I'm going to definitely do a lot more looking into it. And I appreciate you. And you said your passion and clearly you expressed that passion and how you shared your ideas. So thank you for sharing your uh, knowledge and, and, and opinions and also things you've experienced within this realm of also talking to people about it. Of course. Thank you so much for letting me speak. I hope that everyone does their own research and comes to their own conclusions. But of course, like you said, the biggest thing I want to kind of try and urge people to do is just eat more plants and go towards a more more plant-based direction because I think that's the healthiest thing we can all do. Okay. That makes sense. I can't disagree with that. Thank you for sharing your thoughts again. I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, you know, it's interesting that this uh, was not planned to be uh, this way because we had an earlier caller that was more saying about how um, plant-based might not be enough, that we might still need some animal products to have complete nutrition in the way we need it. And this caller was sharing the other side of the argument or other perspective. And uh, again, it wasn't planned. I didn't ask for them to come on, but those two came on and i think it's nice because we want to hear from both sides on issues and be open to hearing from both sides of an uh, an argument and obviously a lot of times there's more than just two sides but varying opinions and then look in and as she just said do your own research listen to people listen to experts in, in these different realms and fields we always have to be aware of the biases that different people can have sometimes if you're of course let's say We saw so much research decades ago and even probably still from the tobacco company or that was funded by the tobacco company saying that cigarettes are not bad for us or don't have these links to cancer or trying to obfuscate it in some way, make it look unclear because they didn't want to stop making their money. So we always have to be aware of these different biases that could be involved as well in the research 
which can make it tough to find the truth. And oftentimes we don't find truth with a capital T because it might not be that clear, but we might come closer to something that we think is more true or makes sense and makes sense for us. And, and so I hope people will think about uh, what she shared about having more plant-based diet, even if it's more plant-based, not purely plant-based, because I think that does make sense, but also do their research and think about the, the issues that have come up earlier about how we treat animals and how uh, we have to really think long and hard about justifying the treatment of animals that we continue to condone and accept in our society just because it's quote-unquote been that way or always been that way or at least been that way for some time. So thank you to her for sharing her opinion and her perspective on that topic. As I mentioned, and I will continue to educate myself and might share some of what I learn with you in future episodes, but thank you for her call. Let's go into her last commercial break. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Um, thank you very much for taking my call. Sure. I have a, I have a question about my daughter. She's 21 years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, she has been very quiet and basically looks uh, sad without sharing her thoughts with us for several years. And uh, Marie, her mother and I, we thought, oh, how come she's, she looks sad and she doesn't talk so much? Uh, we went to several uh, psychiatrists or therapists, and uh, finally, after a few years, uh, somebody diagnosed her with some anxiety and social phobia and a little bit of a depression. And then they uh, prescribed a fixer for her. And she's been taking a fixer now for almost about a month. And she feels uh, a little bit better, but she's still not uh, not as normal as uh, other happy kids, I thought. Then the other day, uh, finally, after several years, uh, she basically was crying and uh, opened up uh, to her mother a little bit. And then uh, she said that, you know, she's been very sad and suffering uh, from uh, my behavior as a father since childhood. Uh, even though she's 21 years old, she was saying that she's been um, very sad when she was young and her mother and I were either arguing or quarreling about what things and and uh, we were very, you know, serious or, uh, you know, de- dealing with the problems that we had. Um, and several other uh, things that she says this has ca- caused trauma for her, like something that she had at school, uh, with, with uh, the middle school, she had the, uh, uh, with a boy at school that they liked each other, and the mother jumped in and then uh, forbid her from seeing that boy because uh, they just wanted to get too close, I suppose. And uh, some other issues like that. Uh, finally, she was crying, and she talked about all these issues. And then, except uh, uh, the, uh, of course, I just came in, and they they shared the information with me, and and uh, basically, I, I I didn't know, and I told her I didn't know, and I'm sorry, and I apologized to her, and uh, tried to uh, make it up to her whatever way I could, 
mm-hmm. um, and then I suggested therapy for her, but she hasn't really agreed to therapy yet. Uh, she says let's see the uh, the uh, effect of the the the, the medication the effects her on her. Uh, she was mm-hmm. she was uh, thinking about that. But uh, basically, my question is, what else I can do, and how can I make up for the my past behavior that obviously has mm-hmm. not been has not been good, and then it has affected either I have, I have four children. I guess it has affected all four of them. And uh, while we were young and uh, immigrants and dealing with issues and dealing with a lot of uh, other problems that we had, didn't know that the uh, uh, effect on the children is so great. And then they end uh, end up with traumas and uh, unhappiness and uh, this kind of uh, social phobia. I think she was diagnosed with social phobia and uh, anxiety. Um, The question is, what else I can do? How can I deal with the these past issues? That of course, the past is past. But how can I make up and, mm-hmm. and possibly fix these issues with my children? Thank you. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you you calling and sharing all that. And it, it's there's so many thoughts going through my head as you were talking, and I'll try to to share some of them with you. But first, just your willingness of course, in calling me, but in wanting to make things better, that itself is a huge step or indication. There are so many parents in your exact position who wouldn't even think to try to do anything about it or think they need to do anything about it. So there's a lot of fathers and mothers like you um, who wouldn't seek out the help or try to make things better because they don't want to acknowledge that maybe they did something either wrong or something that could have been better. So I wanted to acknowledge that point first, that that in and of itself is a good sign. And another good sign is that, you know, you mentioned she for years didn't share what she was going through, but you and your wife noticed that she seemed sad and seemed down. But her breaking down and finally telling your wife and then in that way telling you too, was although a very i'm sure painful and intense moment and experience a huge gift that she gave to you and your wife and also in that gift it could seem strange to call the gift someone telling you here are things you did wrong that hurt me but in giving you that gift she allowed for you to try to make it right or do what you can to make it right so that is a huge gift and i say that so that people also recognize whether it's a family member or your romantic partner expressing a way that they've hurt you in a loving way and with respect is a huge gift that you're actually giving them even though it might hurt or not feel good both to you and them it is a huge gift because you're giving them that chance to make it right and to think make things better between you and that person so one thing and also you know you added being an immigrant parent and what you went through and you know clearly that was in a way sharing that you were doing the best you could in the circumstances with what you knew. And this is really true of essentially all parents. Um, They're trying their best. All people are trying their best with what they think is the right thing to do, the best thing to do, also handling the stresses and challenges that they're dealing with. They are trying their best. But even in trying their best, there's still ways that 
we hurt our kids. It's inevitable. As I was talking with the, the father previously is this, of course, you're going to damage your kids. That's unfortunately part of parenting is that happens. We're trying to, of course, minimize the damage. And also what we're talking about now is see how we can go back or, or deal with things now to go back and minimize the pain that is taken from what has happened. So one thing I would mention is that because she said those things to you, and I know you said you apologize and I want to make up for it, that's wonderful. But it's more than likely that you will have to have more conversations with her to truly apologize and and make things more right or make her feel better about what happened. Because probably what she shared with you was about years of events and incidents and relationship that you had with her and one moment or one conversation of saying i'm sorry i apologize as heartfelt as it was and might have been it probably won't be enough so i would invite you to think of this again as this gift and opportunity to repair and build an even stronger and better relationship with your daughter but it's going to involve you really acknowledging and embracing ways that you might have hurt her. And even what you said, hopefully will make it so you don't have too much guilt that you recognize you were doing your best, you didn't know any better. So it's not saying you're a bad person. But we also don't want to ignore the pain and the ways that she has been affected by them. So even when you say going to therapy, which I hope she will go for herself, you could also consider or bring up with her if you are open to it, what about you and I seeing a family therapist to work on what's happened between us? Because I recognize how I've hurt you. I appreciate you sharing that, but I want to make it right. And I know making it right will take some time and effort. And I'm open and willing to, to give that. Of course, I'm speaking for you, so all of this would have to be things that make sense for you and things you'd want to say. But that would be something I would want you to think about is, making things right with her is going to take some time and probably will take lots of time and going into uncomfortable conversations and feelings and so it's going to be tough for both of you but i hope that given this gift she has given this opportunity that she's given to you and to her that you guys will take advantage of that to make things better in repairing what's happened and also building something better together Doctor, so if I understand it correctly, um, her mother was saying that it's better to t take it slow and go very mm -hmm. slow, not to, not to go and talk about everything uh, basically um, intensely in case it makes her more sad. Just, uh, just either let the therapist do it, or if you want to talk with her, just uh, not... No, basically, maybe every couple of weeks, maybe uh, not not go too much intense mm -hmm. because she gets very emotional. And uh, the, the next morning after that uh, that discussion uh, that uh, <clears throat> discussion with her, I just couldn't sleep that night because I really mm -hmm. didn't know how the the, the damage, the, yeah. uh, the the extent of the damage. I woke up the next morning, I couldn't sleep, and I early in the morning I was just crying, uh, mm -hmm. broke into tears uh, for for an hour. Uh, next to her bed, sitting. I mean, the, I didn't know that the uh, the daughter that I cherish and love so much, I have hurt the most. Hmm. Um, I, I'm going to therapy to deal with this kind of feeling that I have. That why why is it that 
I was trying to make the life uh, better for them, or try, at least financially try to uh, restart my life after the, uh, the immigration many years ago. At the same time, I just ignored or overlooked the uh, relationship between the family members and the children. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just uh, didn't know that, and uh, I, you know, I, I overlooked the very, very most important thing that I, I had in mind, which was to take care of my children and yeah. the love that I have for them. I totally ignored that, and I was trying to make a the ends meet and uh, put put on the table while I was hurting them. I'm, I, I, I definitely need therapy myself to, to deal with this issue. But sure. uh, but the, the, the question that I have is, uh, let the therapy therapist uh, deal with this issue with her, or do I need to t- also sometimes talk with her and try to try to go deeper into her thoughts? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, you brought up a lot of actually important aspects of it that I, I'm glad you did. One is I'm glad you're going to your own therapy to deal with your own feelings of of guilt, of pain, of, you know, so many things that are coming up. And again, I'm sure you were trying your best and dealing with what was going on and, as you're saying, providing financially for them. But maybe also there's things you were neglecting or also the stress you were under might have led to you acting in certain ways or contributed to certain things. So that's good that you're doing that because you're going to want to make sure you don't put it on your daughter to make you feel better about this. Now you might in working things through with her feel better, but oftentimes parents don't realize that they'll bring their own guilt to their child and then it becomes a burden on them to now either uh, take care of the guilt or to maybe minimize their own pain to make us not feel as bad and you want to make sure you don't do that so you are i think it's very good that you're dealing with the feelings on your own your own feelings on your own because we don't want to add that to your daughter's burden and interfere in the process of you and her repairing things now uh, her going to her own therapy and you saying should i be involved or not with uh, this healing and let her deal with it there um, your wife brought up a good point. We do want to be aware, one, of the pacing of these kinds of things, which also the guilt could sometimes drive that. We feel so bad, we want to fix everything really quickly, and we might overwhelm the other person because we want them to forgive us for every aspect of what's happened. So it becomes more about us than them. So we do want to pace it, and as always, we could only have a conversation if both people want to have that conversation. So we want to make sure if you want to talk to her about this issue, she wants to talk about it and is willing. And even within that, being aware of, okay, let's be aware of how much of it we bring up, how we're feeling. It is going to be intense no matter what, but we don't want to overwhelm either of you to the point where you can't handle it either. So we have to find that balance of let's go into that discomfort and those uncomfortable conversations, but let's be aware of not overwhelming ourselves either that can actually backfire in some way, or we might just forget about the whole thing because it becomes too intense. I would let your daughter know that you want to give her her space as far as how she wants to heal, and but that you're completely available to either if it's in with a therapist or in conversations you have with her to talk and work through these things. So I'd want to give her that space and also give her some of that power in deciding what to do that she can choose how you guys go forward, but letting her know you're 100% available to talk if and when she wants, which is something I encourage parents to do with their kids always, that we don't force them to talk about things. We always let them know we're here anytime they want to talk about anything. We're 
we are available to them, but we don't impose that on them. So I hope you can give her that sense that you you also maybe can share, you think it's important for you and her to talk, but that it's if and when she wants to have those conversations, if she wants to have that in front of um, a therapist or not, or just the two of you, and be ready that you're in uh, you're going to be in for a process. It's going to take some time. And so that's what I was saying before about the guilt that you might feel. You have to be mindful of that. And I'm glad you're dealing with that in, in your own therapy so that that doesn't become something that then pushes her to talk or to fix things in some way that feels good to you. Now, I'm looking at the time and I do have to wrap up. If you want to share a quick thought, because I feel like you were about to say something, go right ahead. Just wanted to see if I, for the other kids, that they might have the same problem. They're a little bit older. Shall I open the subject with them too? If they have any issues that they, they need to talk to me about or they need to heal? I uh, hope you I? I hope you would. You know, I, I think all parents, I would recommend to every parent listening to think about this and to uh, approach their kids and let them know. You know, I realize I love you. I tried my best to be the best parent I could be to you. But I'm also aware that I'm sure I did some things that hurt you or I didn't do some things that you wish I did that hurt you. And I'm open to having these conversations with you because I want to give you that space to share how I did hurt you because I want to help with that, but also to make our relationship better. So to me, it's something that it's not because you were a bad parent, but that all parents hopefully will give their kids that space to try to repair what's happened, acknowledging that doing your best, whatever you do as a parent, you're going to make some mistakes and hurt your kids. So having that humility to approach them with that level of acknowledgement, I think is a huge gift that you're then giving to your kids as well. I do have to wrap up. I appreciate you calling. If you'd like to call another time, we can maybe get even further into it. But I really appreciate you sharing what you're going through and wishing the best to you and your family. Thank you very much, Rector. Sure, take care. All right, thank you to all the callers and the listeners and to Ghazala in the studio, always letting me do the show from afar. You've listened to In Session with Dr. Fadi Dawak. We have a wonderful day. Mm-hmm.